Just a quick note before this episode starts. The audio is kind of bad in and out. I apologize. I've been having issues with my audio. I kind of mentioned it a bit in the introduction, but um, I'm going to see if I can get a better mic, get a better setup, but just bear with me. It doesn't sound the best, but anyway, let's get into the episode. Hello, my friends. I'm recording this episode for the second time now. Uh, When I recorded this episode earlier in the week, it was about one o'clock in the morning. I was definitely not making much sense and it was just a giant mess. And then I just tried to record again and my mic wasn't working and I was having a bunch of audio issues. So here I am. I think we're good now. Fingers crossed, everything cooperates. I'm going to look in to see what I can do to fix the mic situation. I'm using like the cheapest option I possibly could find because this is just a hobby, but maybe I'll find something better for the future. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, what I wanted to do today is take the time to go over the four functions of behavior and how to easily remember them. So there are four functions to keep in mind, and those are escape, attention, tangible, and sensory. And these four functions can be remembered by using the acronym Everybody Eats, E-A-T-S. So let's get started. Welcome to the Just Talks ABA podcast. With me, I'm Jess a BCBA who is still trying to navigate the big world of applied behavior analysis. Join me as I try to break down common topics of applied behavior analysis and attempt to make things make just a little bit more sense. Something to keep in mind before I start looking at each individual function of behavior is that all behavior happens for a reason. When we say that we want to identify the function of someone's behavior, this means that we want to better understand why someone is engaging in a behavior. There is always a why. Behavior is not random. So sometimes it can be difficult to observe someone engaging in a behavior and know the function right away. The function may not always be clear-cut, and even if you have a pretty good idea, you won't know for sure until you analyze the behavior and determine the function through a functional analysis. So before introducing a behavior change program or intervention, you must first know why someone is engaging in a behavior. And like I said, this is done by using a functional analysis. And a functional analysis is a way that a behavior analyst controls a person's environment, and after analyzing the data from the analysis, they can then identify the function of a person's behavior. And I won't go into the specifics of a functional analysis right now, because that could be an entire episode of its own, but I will cover that topic at another time. So, the main reason we want to know why someone is engaging in a behavior is that so we can appropriately address the behavior. You also want to ensure that if you are selecting a replacement behavior for a person, you are selecting the right one. So very quickly, a replacement behavior is a behavior selected by a behavior analyst and the individual or their caregivers as a more appropriate behavior than the one the person is currently engaging in. So for example, instead of crying when asked to complete a task, we can teach someone how to ask for a break. The function of both behaviors is to escape a task but one is more quote-unquote socially acceptable than the other. And if you do not provide a replacement behavior that serves the same function as the target behavior, your intervention will not likely be successful. For example, 
if the same child is crying because they do not want to complete a task, so they want to escape from a task, but we introduce a replacement behavior that serves an attention function, such as tapping someone on the shoulder, for instance. The child will continue to cry when presented with demands because they were not taught a functional and appropriate replacement behavior to escape those demands. So, for a behavior change program to be successful, you need to make sure that whatever replacement behavior is selected or whatever intervention is selected, it addresses the right function. If you don't, like I just said, your intervention will probably not be very successful. And one final thing to note, many behaviors can serve the same function for one person, and one behavior can serve many functions. So, it's very important for us to analyze and determine the function of a behavior before intervening with an intervention. So let's take a closer look at the four functions of behavior. And remember, our acronym EATS. That stands for escape, attention, tangible, and sensory. Again, that's everybody EATS, E-A-T-S, and that stands for escape, attention, tangible, and sensory. And just a note, the sensory function is sometimes referred to as automatic. So let's look at our first function. The first function we are going to talk about is escape. Escape maintained behaviors occur when there is an aversive stimulus, person, or situation present that you want to get out of or get away from. Keeping in mind that the behaviors look quite different across people or even for an individual person, what matters here is that the function is the same. For example, if you are at work and you have a coworker who always approaches you and tells you stories about their personal life, these stories are often repeated and your coworker will talk at you so long that you find it hard to get any work done. It's now gotten to the point that you dread when you see this person coming near you. So one day, you are sitting at your desk and you're working away at your at your computer or whatever you're doing and your coworker approaches you and before you can even say that you're busy she starts to tell you about how she had to pick the perfect shade of green paint for her kitchen over the weekend you are now uncomfortable slightly irritated and you do not want to be in a conversation with your coworker anymore so you politely interrupt your coworker and say i am so sorry but i actually have to get to a meeting and you stand up and walk away ending the conversation here, you are presented with an aversive stimulus, which was your coworker and the, her stories, and you engaged in a behavior, which was excusing yourself and walking away. And when you engaged in that behavior, that put an end to the aversive situation. You successfully escaped the situation. Another situation that you may be familiar with is when a child is asked to clean up their toys. The child does not want to clean up their toys, so they flop to the floor, they cry, and eventually their parents put the toys away just to put an end to the whole situation. In this example, the child was presented with a demand, which was clean up your toys, and they engaged in a behavior which was flopping to the floor and crying that allowed them to escape the demand. Their parents ended up cleaning the toys up for them instead. So now the child would still be engaging in the behavior if they ran away, if they hit their parents, if they laughed uncontrollably, or even if they tried to play with the toys versus cleaning up. What the behavior looks like does not matter. Instead, it's all about the function. So the behaviors may change day to day. And again, what matters here is the function. And if you remember from one of my previous episodes, many behaviors can serve the same function, which is your response class. So now, 
Moving along to our second function, which is attention. And attention-seeking behaviors are just that. You are looking to get attention from someone around you. And attention-seeking can vary just like any other behavior. I could get your attention by saying, hello, how are you? I could wave at you. I could tap you on the shoulder. I could also stand in front of you quietly with my eyes really wide and a big smile on my face. And I could just wait for you to notice me and say hello. That's another way I could get your attention. And although this may not be the best way to do it, I could also throw something at you and get you to notice me, and I could maybe scream or cry and flop to the floor until you notice me and come to see what's wrong. All of these behaviors, although they look different in their topography, they are meeting the same function, which is for me to get your attention. And another important thing to note about attention-seeking behavior is that the type of attention may not matter when it comes to actually maintaining the behavior. So, for example, a child wants to get their parents' attention, so they start to jump on the couch. The child's parents tell the child to stop jumping, and the child just laughs and jumps even more. The parents then come over to the child and tell them to stop jumping and pick them up and put them onto the floor. This doesn't stop, and the child continues to laugh and jumps back up on the couch until their parent finally stops what they're doing to play with the child. In this example, although the parent is scolding their child, this is still providing the child with the attention that they are looking for. So the behavior continued even after the child was scolded. Attention-seeking behaviors can be maintained by quote-unquote positive or negative attention. And this isn't positive or negative as in the context of reinforcement and punishment. What I mean here is essentially just good or bad. So remember, Even if you don't think that the behavior can be attention-seeking because the person is being vocally reprimanded, keep in mind that this may not actually be the case and it very well can be reinforcing or motivating for the person to get any kind of attention. So again, attention-seeking behavior is when you are trying to get the attention of someone near you. Now, on to tangible. Tangible means that you are trying to get something that you want. Now, this can be an item, access to an activity that you would like, or a type of food, anything, whatever it might be. You are going to engage in a behavior so that you can access these things. So again, the behaviors may look different, just as with every other function, but the function of all of the behaviors remains the same. For example, I really feel like having tacos for dinner, but my fiance does not want to have tacos and he wants to have pasta instead. So when he tells me that he does not want to eat tacos for dinner, I become upset with him. I end up maybe raising my voice. Maybe I cry. Maybe I make some rude comments about how I never get what I want. You know, I'm just going to be really dramatic here. And eventually my fiance gives in and says, fine, we can have tacos for dinner. What happened in this example was that I wanted something, which was tacos. I engaged in a behavior, which was crying and arguing with my spouse, and the result was that I was able to have tacos for dinner. I got what I wanted. Now, another more appropriate behavior that I could have engaged in would be, you know, I want tacos, my fiancé wants to have pasta for dinner, and instead of arguing in this example, I say, okay, how about we have tacos tonight and tomorrow we have pasta? He agrees, and I get to have what I wanted. I still get what I want, And this behavior is still maintained by access to tangibles. I'm still getting that thing, but I went about it in a different way. Both of these behaviors, although they look different, meet the same goal. And that goal is that I am getting what I want. So now 
onto sensory. Sensory as a function of behavior looks different for every person, and every person is going to have different things that are reinforcing for them than others. Behaviors that have a sensory function essentially means that whatever the behavior is, it feels good for you internally. Some examples could be that you enjoy rocking back and forth in your chair, you like singing along to a song in the car when you're alone, even if your voice is terrible like mine. It's fun and it feels good to sing along to music. Another example of a sensory function is someone that may tap their foot or bite their nails. They may not know why they are engaging in these behaviors, but the sensory feedback feels good. It's rewarding, so they continue to do them. There are also self-injurious behaviors that are maintained by a sensory function. And again, this may also be for attention, to escape a task. All of these behaviors, they're not reserved for only one function, but self-injurious behaviors may occur because the person enjoys that sensory feedback as well, or even the pain response. And one thing that I wanted to note about a sensory function is to make sure that you complete a functional analysis to determine if there is a true sensory function for the behavior, just like you would with any other function. Many times you might see a child or person engaging in hand flapping or rocking, and while on the surface you may think that this is because of a sensory function, it could actually be escape or to get attention or to get access to items. Do not ever assume that you know the function of someone's behavior just by looking at the behavior. So in closing, it is important to know the function of someone's behavior, not just to know why they are doing something, but so you know how to approach that behavior. It is also important to know the function of someone's behavior, especially when you are introducing a replacement behavior. For replacement behavior to be successful, it must meet the same function as the behavior that you want to change or replace. Otherwise, your intervention will not be successful. And again, the four functions of behavior can be remembered by using the acronym Everybody Eats. It's E-A-T-S. And that is for escape, attention, tangible, and sensory. And if you don't like that acronym, you can also use the acronym Take a Seat. S-E-A-T. So that would be sensory, escape, attention, and tangible. Do whatever works best for you. So that episode was pretty short and sweet, but thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Jess Talks ABA podcast. You can find me on Instagram at jess.talks.aba. I've been trying really hard to make content for the Instagram page as a follow-up to whatever I talk about in these episodes, just so that you can have some visuals and further explanation to help you with your learning. So if you would be interested in that, I would really appreciate it if you went and followed me there. And if you did enjoy this episode today, please leave a positive review, like it, share it with a friend. I would be extremely grateful. And thank you again just for following along and listening. Again, this is just a hobby that I enjoy doing. And it means a lot that there are people out there that are actually listening and enjoying it. Um, Didn't think that would happen, but it's kind of cool that it is. So thank you. You're the best. Not sure when the next one will be up. I'm going to try my best to stick to a schedule. I'm thinking I'm going to try for either every Monday or every Friday. But this one is coming up on a Tuesday. So we'll see. We'll get there. I will eventually get some schedule and some routine to my life. But baby steps. Anyway, again, thank you so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode.